All right. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Yeah. How many of you guys love Riverside Community Church? Yeah? Praise God. All right. How many of you love Jesus? Jesus. Yeah. All right. I'm going to tell you guys, you guys were a part of an amazing month that we got to experience through Riverside. You see, today is just, God is just putting this whole thing together because today we are going to report on some of the things we did in missions this summer, okay? And so I know you might have been like wondering like, what happened on the Poland trip? What happened on the Brazil trip? What happened at Mission Peoria? So we want to give you guys a few highlights of that. So today I've invited some of my friends to come up and share with you about what God did on those trips. And so the first person we're going to meet today is Meredith. So give it up for Meredith. And she, was, she went to Poland with the Poland team. And so the first thing, Meredith, what's one thing that you experienced in Poland that just was really cool? Thank you again, sorry, for um, giving to missions and for giving to Riverside. Um, Riverside's goal is for everyone to know who Jesus is. And um, that's here in Peoria and to Poland, in Gdynia, Poland. Um, we were able to partner with Arik and Yulita, um, the team that went, and work with the small group of believers, the core church there, which makes up about 15 people. And we were able to see that their incredible heart um, for this city, it's, um, that they give everything that they have so that um, this hopeless nation um, can know who Jesus is. And that was just an incredible um, thing that I was able to see following the trip. Awesome, awesome. Cool. All right, the next friend I want you to meet is Peyton. And, and Peyton had the awesome time to go with me to Brazil. It was amazing, yeah, Brazil. So Peyton, really quick, what's one thing maybe you experienced while you were there? in Brazil that really was awesome? Well, there's a lot. Um, I think the main thing for me was to be able to learn the language. You know, I, I had a lot of teenagers down there who taught me a lot of words. Um, and it was really cool to be able to learn how to communicate with the people there and to laugh and have fun with them and to really um, See God's love shine through all of us. Cool. Awesome. And then this week, we just came off an amazing week at Mission Peoria. And so my friend Gracie is here, and she's going to share a little bit about what God did at Mission Peoria. Um, I don't know. Like, this whole week was absolutely amazing, but I just loved, like, seeing the leaders that were students like last year, um, just seeing them really like rise up and take on, I don't know, a new form of leadership. Like that was just really awesome to just see them like really mature and become the leaders that God made them to be. So the last thing is when we go on missions, the cool part about it is Jesus goes with us. We don't just go alone. And so all these guys have Many, many stories how God showed up while they were there on the mission trip. But, the first, but I just want to ask you, maybe just share one story that you experienced, how God really showed up and how he used you guys. So we had an incredible team who went to Poland. Um, and through every person and every day, you could see how God was just moving them and changing them. Um, and how they fellowshiped and interacted with the people in Poland. But one specific example was when um, we had the opportunity to work with youth, um, kind of like an orphanage and after-school program for some troubled youth is what it was called. And we were able to just share, two people were able to share their testimonies of how they once, you know, lived in darkness and they had no hope. Um, and how through the love of Christ and um, his, what he did for them on the cross, um, and how they can have this hope. Um, and it just really impacted um, the kids' lives. It opens the door so that we, um, Arik, can go back into this um, after-school program and work with the youth. Um, 
the youth were involved, like impacted, but even the leaders. Um, some of the ladies were crying through some of the testimonies that were shared, and I think there was other people who cried as well. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus and what he did. Yeah, awesome. Peyton, same question. What, what, did, what did God do while you were in Brazil? Um, well, the first thing that came to my mind was um, when we were at the village, uh, we were doing, um, we were in the kids, like, they were having, like, little school and classes and stuff, and uh, we got a chance to worship with them and pray over them. And then afterwards, we handed out food, and then we, like, made little bracelets that I have on my wrist right now. And um, afterwards, Joe spoke a little bit, and it was really cool to see all the kids, like some my age and some younger, they all like came to Jesus, and um, it was really powerful, and the Holy Spirit really moved in all of their lives, and it was really cool to be able to pray with them and um, see God show up in their lives. Come on, yeah, praise Jesus. And Gracie, you want to share with us just one of the awesome things that happened with you this week at Mission Pure. Okay, well, obviously, we're here because we love Jesus. Or, like, that's why I'm here. <laughs> but um, Mission Peoria was just, like, we did a ton of stuff. But my favorite part was worship. And that's, like, my place with God. That's where I get to, like, hang out with him and hear from him. So I think it was, like, Tuesday night. And I was up front. Um, I could, like, see everyone on stage. It was so great. Like, I just felt the Holy Spirit so much. And then I remember my heart started beating really fast. And I just heard God's voice. And he was like, Gracie, you got to go pray for that girl. And I was like, mm, no. <laughs> no, I don't want to. <laughs> I was like, because I'm human and I'm selfish. I was like, I don't want to lose my spot. Like, I, this is so great. I'm a friend. <laughs> and he was like, Gracie. And I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> so I did it. And I remember, I don't remember anything I said. But I just started crying. And I just looked at this girl. And, like, we were both on our knees. And it was like, we could just feel the Holy Spirit. And I just love that. Like, I didn't know what she was thinking. But I didn't know what she needed to hear, but I was willing to go, and God moved through me. So. Hallelujah. All right, let's give it up one more time for these guys and what God has done through them. Amen. So really quick, we want wanted to thank you guys for the opportunities that you have given us to go and serve Jesus all over the world. And so we want you to experience that a little more and what we went through this week at Mission Pure. It was awesome. So really quick, check out the screens. There's going to be a video on there. We are the change. The world is waiting. Your love. 
really quick, I just want to honor just a couple people about Mission Peoria. So I don't know if you know, but we started Mission Peoria about 13 or 14 years ago. And, and the guy that had the vision for this, his name is James Pataskal. So James, if you could stand up really quick. I don't know where he's at, if he's here. Yeah, he's right back there. Yeah, let's give it up for James. Yeah. I just want to honor one more person. I'm just so glad he's back from Nashville. Nashville. He wasn't supposed to go. Well, he went there, but he's back home. Let's give it up for Andy King. Come on. He's just an amazing job. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. Come on, give it up for Andy. We are just uh, truly blessed with what God is doing here at Riverside, and it's just exciting to continue to go into the future and see what God does. Hey, really quick, we got one more announcement. I'm telling you, there's a lot going on at this church. So we are looking forward to Christmas coming soon, and so there's Christmas production tryouts this Tuesday from 1 to 3, okay? So I got that one done. And 6 to 8, all right? So we're excited about that, too. All right, really quick, if you turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to start in verse 13 for the message this morning. Matthew 16, verse 13. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be for forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for this morning and what you already have done in this place, Lord God. And so, Lord Jesus, now this is your time to speak to your people, Lord God. And Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, for all that you've done in and through us in this last month, God. And it inspires us that you're not done with us yet, God. There's still much, so much more you want for your people and you want to be done here in Peoria, God. And Lord Jesus, I pray today, God, that you would encourage your people, God, that the best is yet to come, God, that we have so much to look forward to and we have so much to look forward to your blessings. God, I thank you, Lord, for this month, how you have been sharing with us through your word about the future and about our future in heaven with you someday, God. And so, Lord, we're excited that we get to see you face to face. But, God, I'm glad, God, that you said when you are here on earth that we should pray, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so today, Lord, we're believing that you're going to do great things here on earth before we go to be with you. And so, God, today we trust you with that and we give you all the praise. We look to you, God, for change, God. We can't change this world. We only can change it by using your power and your strength, God. And so, Lord, today, have your way and speak to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. 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 And so today we are going to talk about the idea of having an encounter with God. And I don't know about you, but over the last month I've especially had many, many, many encounters with God. And it's all because of not what I do, it's all because of what God wants to do. And I want to encourage you, 
that God wants to do more in you than you could ever imagine. He wants to do miracles, signs and wonders through you. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus, when he was going, getting ready to go, said, you're going to do even greater things than me. And so we have so much to look forward to about what God's going to do through us. And in this passage, Jesus, he's hanging out with his disciples like he did a lot. And he's talking to them and he asked them two questions. The first question was, who do the people say that I am? And so they gave responses. They said, some say John the Baptist, some say a prophet. You know, all these different things that they said that man said who Jesus was. But then he said it had another question for them. He said, but who do you say that I am? And in that moment, Peter rised up and he said this. He said, you are the Christ or the Messiah, the son of the living God. And he made that proclamation by faith. And then Jesus said this to him. He said, no man could have revealed that to you. Only the father in heaven could have revealed that to you. And because of that, he said, basically he was saying, you had an encounter with God. You met with God. You experienced God. And I want to tell you guys something. Peter's not the only one that's met with God. We have also met with God. In fact, if you've experienced God, come on, just give God some praise that you've encountered God. Hallelujah. And so today, I'm going to teach you from the Bible some other places where people encountered God. You see, Jesus came not just to come and have a good time on the earth, but he came to tell about the greatness of his father. And so as he was proclaiming this about who Jesus was, it reminded me about some stories in the Bible when other people encountered God. See, not only in Peter did Peter encounter God, but Moses also encountered God. Remember that guy, Moses? In fact, he encountered God in a burning bush. And it was pretty cool that Pastor John this morning just proclaimed over our young people about the altar and about the fire on the altar because not only does that happen, but in the Bible we see that through the burning bush, God spoke to Moses. And while he was speaking to Moses, it was cool because Moses kind of had a dialogue with God. He was like, yeah, God, I'm, I'm excited about what you're saying to me, but I'm a human being and I'm scared. You see, what God was calling Moses to do was to go back into Egypt and set his people free. And so he was kind of questioning God. He's like, why did you choose me? I can't even speak very well. And he had all these fears and he had all these doubts. And so God said to him in Exodus 4, if you want to turn your Bibles, you can turn there. But I'm just going to kind of paraphrase what, what, the, what the response was going on there. But basically God said to him, what is in your hand? Because he, Moses was questioning, like, why would anybody believe me? You know, I'm just out here all by myself. I don't have any special gifts, talents, or abilities. Why would anybody believe me that you sent me, God? And he said, what is it that's in your hand? And he said, oh, a stick. And so today I brought a stick with me. Actually, I found this in my backyard because it's still there after a year of branches falling down. It's still there, okay? That's how well I take care of my yard, all right? So I found this the other day. And in the, in the back of the, in the Bible times, what they did is they walked with, with sticks or what we call them in the Bible that's called a staff, Okay. And so Moses looked down, and, and he had a staff in his hand. Well, I don't know if you know this, but um, studies have been done to say that this was more than just a walking stick. It was more than maybe just a weapon. In fact, back in the day, they didn't have uh, paper or pens and all this stuff. How many guys are ready for school? Anybody here ready for school? You know, I don't know about this, but you, but like, school's cool, but buying all those school supplies, I mean, it's crazy. And my daughter, Naomi, she lets me know, dad, I need this. I need that. I need this. And I'm like, okay. So praise God for backpack Peoria. Amen. Praise God that God has blessed us to be able to provide for kids that have a hard time getting all this stuff. But back in the day, they didn't have paper or pens. And so what they did was they used this stick kind of like a journal. In fact, this stick was used to represent their life. 
And I'll talk about that a little more later, but basically what God was saying, there's a stick in your hand, but there's all, there's so much more than that in your hand. And so the next thing God did, he said this, in fact, not only is there that stick in your hand, but I want you to throw it down. All right, praise God it didn't break. I was worried about that. All right. So he, he threw it down. And when he threw it down, something crazy happened. It turned into a snake. And so Moses, when he threw it down, it turned into a snake. And he was like, ah, a snake. He freaked out. He was like so scared because it was a snake. I'm going to tell you guys something. I recently got to go to Brazil. You're going to hear about it all morning. And when we made a little stop, we made a little stop on the river. We actually went on the Amazon River. It was pretty crazy. And we got off the boat, and we went to this little place where they had an anaconda snake, okay? And they wanted me to hold the thing. And I was like, ain't no way I'm going to hold that snake, you know? But some of our people got a chance to hold this snake, and it was like wrapping itself around people's bodies. I was like... You guys are crazy, okay? I am not going near that snake, okay? So that's what happened. Moses saw the snake and he got scared. And you know what God was trying to say to him in that moment? He's like, basically, the staff is your life. And right now, Moses, your life is in your own hands. But I want your life. And so he said, throw the staff down. And when he threw the staff down, it became something very scary, something he was afraid of. And so he wanted to run away from it. And that sometimes happens with us. When we throw down our lives for God, we realize our past is kind of scary. All the things we've been through, we look at it and we say, man, I've been through so much. There's no way God could use me. In fact, Moses had been through so much, he had actually murdered a man. And so he looked at his past and he said, there is no way that I can serve God because I've been too bad. I've done too many wrong things. And sometimes Christians, that's exactly where we stop. We feel called from God, but we look at our past and we say, there's no way God could use me. Or we look at our insecurities and it's scary. And we don't want to do anything with God because of that. But this is what God told Moses to do. He said, pick that snake up by the tail. And I don't know about you, but I would be even more freaked out, okay? In fact, I don't know if you know this, but you're not supposed to pick up snakes by the tail. You're supposed to pick them up by its head, all right? So I don't know. He was probably freaking out. But guess what? He picked up the, the snake by the tail, and guess what happened? It turned back into a stick. And see... The miracle was that he was like, every time you go and show these people that stick, you're going to see miracles come from that stick. And this is what God proclaimed him in that moment. I want you to give me your life. I want you to lay it down. I want you to throw it down. But then I want you to pick it back up. Because I'm going to give you a brand new life, Moses. I'm going to do miracles through you. But you have to believe that I can even use your past. Amen. And, and God wants you to know today that he can even use your past and turn it around for his glory. So today, guys, I want to just encourage you to lay your life down to Jesus and then pick it back up. And then take this stick that God's given you and smack the devil over the head in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says that God can turn all things around and make them good. The Bible says he can work all things for good for those that are called and believe in his name. And so even he can use your past because there's some people that have been where you're going or where you've been that need to have some hope, that need to know that Jesus is real and he can even heal the brokenhearted. He can save people that have been on drugs. He can deliver people that have been prostitutes. Jesus wants you to know today that he's big enough. His arm is not too short that he can't save anybody. And so today, we can know that as we lay our lives down to God, we'll pick it back up and we'll walk in the power of Jesus. And so the first thing I want to encourage you with here, today I'm going to be talking about being disciples, being followers of Jesus. And so the first example we can take from Moses is, God was calling Moses to go out and pour his life into somebody else. You know what? God's called us to do that. Every single one of us. None of our, us are exempt from this. God wants all of us to be a part of his work. 
And the way we do that is by pouring our lives into other people. And you might be like, well, Pastor Joe, where do I start? I've even filled out one of those volunteer forms and no one's called me back. I'm going to tell you guys something. If nobody calls you back, Jesus is still calling you. He still has a plan for you. And I'm here to tell you, we're going to get better at that, okay? We're going to get better at that. But I want you to know today that he's calling you to great things. And one of the great things is you can do, you might be like, well, what do I do? If you have children today, your first ministry of pouring your life into people is them. It's to pour your life into your kids. And you're like, I'm tired of my kids. I'm ready for them to go back to school, you know? <laughs> but that's your first ministry. And I'm going to tell you a real quick story. Uh, this summer, yes, I got to go to Brazil, but the reason I got to go to Brazil is because of my daughter, Elise. In fact, two years ago, um, we started praying for Elise. In fact, we started praying for Elise a long time ago, and, and God started to show us that God was doing a work in here, her for missions. And it was like any time that she did anything missions-oriented, we could just see her get excited. In fact, one year at Mission Peoria, she came and she was serving these kids on the south end, and I remember one day she just were, was bawling her eyes out because of these kids, and she just loved them so much. And so we saw that God was doing some special things with Elise through missions. And so I was like, man, it'd be cool if me and her could go to Brazil. So we thought about doing that a couple years ago. But because I was had such a busy schedule, it didn't happen. Well, my daughter's about to be a junior this year, okay? And so I knew my time is short with her. And so I'm like, this has got to be the year that we go to Brazil. And so me and Elise got to go. And I'm going to tell you something. You're going to hear about it more. I didn't really want to go, but I went because of her. Because I believe that God had a plan for her in Brazil. And so we got down there, and we went to one of these villages. We went to a bunch of villages, but we went to a village that was just very sad. In fact, um, most of the people lived in what I would call a shack. You know, they ba barely had walls and, and maybe a, a tin roof, but it was just a, a bunch of these little shacks built together, and, and that was their village. And one day, we all went down there to share God with them, and there was just kids everywhere. I mean, everywhere you looked, there was little kids, and, and our hearts just began to break to see all these little kids, and and it was so cool to see the little girls gather around my daughter, Elise. Uh, we had gotten her to braids in her hair so she could take care of her hair while she was down there. And these little girls would come up to her and just be amazed, like, is that real? You know, she did, they were just amazed at her braided hair, you know. But I think that they weren't just drawn to her braided hair, but they were drawn to the Holy Spirit living inside of her, you know. And I'm going to tell you guys, it was such a joy for me to see my daughter serve Jesus. That, that was, in fact, I, I'll tell you, I've done a lot of things in my life, but that was one of the best things ever, to see my daughter serve Jesus there. And in that village, yeah, praise God. And in that village, um, we were there, and it was, it was kind of difficult because most of the people spoke, spoke Portuguese. And so we had to rely on a translator. And so some people came up to me while we were in the village. And I was like, felt so insecure. Like, how am I supposed to minister to anybody here in, in Brazil? I don't even know their language. They're probably like, who is this big goofy dude? You know, I, I don't know. But they just said, uh, there's a guy here that's really sick and he needs prayer. And we want you to come pray for him. And so I was like, okay, let's do it, you know? And so we went into this little shack and there was this man laying there in a hammock and he hadn't been able to move for days. They said he probably had a stroke and we began to pray for him. And one of the things we realized is that he had walked away from Jesus. And so we asked him in our English words, would you like to give your life back to Jesus? And it was amazing to see a tear just start to roll down his eyes and he didn't have to even say any words. That was words enough to say he was saying yes to Jesus, that God was right there in that place. And so we started to pray for him and he came back to Jesus. It was amazing. And then while we were praying earlier in the week, um, our leaders, Ken and Mary Palmer, had heard from God that 
people were going to get healed while we were in Brazil, that we would pray for the sick, and we were believing that people would be healed. And so, so we left after a little bit, and I just felt like, man, we need to go back in there and pray for that guy that he would get healed. And so we left, and I called over to Gracie, and I called over to her mom, Karen, and I said, come on, let's go back in there to pray. And so we prayed that this man would get healed. And it was cool because I was just praying and praying and praying, and nothing really happened. I was kind of discouraged. But as we got in the van, later on, Gracie said, Joe, that was amazing. And I was saying, it didn't feel very amazing. <laughs> nothing happened. You know, he was just lying there still. It was amazing, Joe, because as we were praying, I saw Jesus in the room. God showed up in the room, and I was like, praise God. And so it really spoke to me that even when we're trying to minister to people, Jesus is there already. Jesus is in control. Jesus has a plan bigger than our plan. So let's come on, let's just give it up for Jesus today. But here's the awesome thing about my God. Later that week, as we were about ready to get on the plane, we heard a report that that man was getting better, that he was walking around and he was beginning to do things. And so let's just give God glory that he heals people. So we see here that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the Christ. He came to save and set people free. And he came to pour out his life into other people's lives. And he's called us to do the same. And I just want to encourage you guys this year that this is the year to get busy for Jesus. This is the year to give your life fully in serving Jesus. The next thing that it says in this passage that Peter encountered, that Jesus wasn't just the Messiah, but he was the son. He was the son. And I'm here to tell you that God loved his son so much. He loved us so much that he sent his one and only son into the world to die for us. But it wasn't for him just to die for us, but it was for him to be an example to us that we need a father. We need someone to help us. In fact, it, as you go along in the Bible, there's a story about this staff that, um, that I really like too. And it's a story about David and Goliath. And you probably didn't read it this way before, but you've probably heard this story over and over and over again. But I don't, yeah, I like it too. But I don't know if you know about this story that before David killed Goliath and before he became king, he was a shepherd boy. In fact, his dad, Jesse, sent him out day after day after day to take care of sheep. And it was there as he was taking care of sheep that he encountered God. It wasn't just when he was fighting Goliath that he encountered God, but it was there while he was taking care of sheep that he encountered God. And then his father, Jesse, asked him to do something. He said, I want you to go into town and take lunch to your brothers. And so both those things aren't that exciting. Taking care of sheep and taking lunch to your brothers isn't that exciting. But as he was doing just the normal task of the day, God showed up. And maybe you're here today and you're like, Man, my life isn't all that exciting. I'm not doing much for God. But I'm going to tell you, just stay faithful to what God's called you to do. And God will begin to show his awesome plan that he has for you. Because, see, when he got to the battlefield, he realized that everybody was afraid and scared of this big giant. And so David said, I can take him out. I want to take him on. The funny thing is, the king tried to suit him up and he tried to get him ready and he encouraged him. He said, yeah, you can go do it, but put on my armor. Well, he tried to put on the armor, and it didn't fit him. And so here's this little boy, David. So what did he go out? And real, tell me real quick. What did David take with him to kill Goliath? Anybody know? A slingshot and some stones, okay? Exactly right. But I don't know if you know, in the Bible, in 1 Samuel 1740, it says, he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed with only with his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistines. So the Bible says that he didn't just have the slingshot, but he had his staff in his hand. And you might wonder, you might be like, that seems kind of cumbersome. I don't understand 
why he would carry a staff and a sling. It doesn't make sense. You know, wouldn't he just be better if he threw down the staff and just went after him with that sling? But I'm going to here to tell you why that happened. See, the Bible says that while David was taking care of sheep, that one day a lion came out and tried to get the sheep. And what happened? David killed that lion with his bare hands. And then also a bear came out and tried to kill that sheep. And what did David do? He killed that bear with his bare hands. And so this is what was happening. I think I told you about it earlier. This staff was like a journal. And so I could believe this is what David did. When he killed that bear, he put a little etching in the staff. Thank you, Jesus, for helping me kill that bear. And then he put another etching in the staff. Thank you, Jesus, for helping me kill that lion. And I believe that when he was going out to fight Goliath, he was deathly afraid. He looked at that big dude and he was like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. And the reason why he had the staff is he was able to look down and he said, God was with me then, and God was with me then, and God was with me then. So if God is with me, nobody can stand against me. I'm not going in this fight just with my sling. I'm going in this fight with my big God with me. And so then he knew he could take down the giant. And I'm here to proclaim to you, maybe the hardest part of following Jesus is getting help from somebody else. Maybe the hardest part of following God is saying, I can't do this on my own. Because we, we love to do things on our own. We love to get the glory for ourselves. But God's going to give us big tasks and big enemies that we can only defeat by the power of God. And he's going to do that. Not so that we can get the glory, but so that God can get the glory. Amen? And so here's some practical things that we can do. God wants us not only to have someone that we're pouring our life into, but we all need someone. Everyone here needs someone that pours their life into us. In fact, we all need time to spend with God and to spend with a mentor or a brother or sister who can help us grow spiritually this is why it's so important. I'm going to give a little plug. I don't want to take too, time, too much time. It's so important you, for you to get here on Wednesday nights. Get your kids here on Wednesday nights. Get your teenagers here on Wednesday nights. Get into, a, get into a Bible study. It's so important that you have someone else speaking into your life. It's also so important that you would spend time every day with Jesus and allow him to pour into your life. You know, while I was in Brazil, another cool thing happened. You see, I love the Brazilians because I believe they walk more in rhythm with God than we do. And I'm just going to say that to you because that's what I saw. In fact, every morning we were on this boat and I woke up and I had amaz the most amazing quiet times because I got to get up and look over the Amazon River and hear the peace and see the alligators, you know, and it was just the most amazing time. And then later in the day, after we'd worked hard all morning, they had this wonderful thing after lunch called siesta, where you got to actually take a nap, you know. They made us take a nap. Praise God for the Brazilians, you know. And the reason they did this, because it was so hot during the day that they just like, there's no bother to work. Let's just take it easy. And I'm here to tell you guys something. Some of you guys just need to take it easy a little bit and let God be in control. And so for the first couple of days, I fought this. I was like, man, I, I got to be busy. You know, I'm an American. In fact, that's what they call this, Americanos. You know, we were Americanos. And so we always wanted to do stuff. And every day we were like building this church and it was exciting. But one day I woke up and I spent time with God and I was like, okay, God, I'm just going to follow you today. I'm not going to follow what I want to do. And that day I got a chance to work with the kids, which I wanted to work with the kids anyway. I really didn't want to build this church because I can't do carpentry. All right, I'm terrible at that. But I'm good at working with kids. And so I went out that day into the school. Peyton told you about it. And earlier in the week, something crazy happened. I'm going to tell you guys something. I was so afraid to go to Brazil because of a little mosquito. Everybody probably heard about the Zika virus. I was like, 
I don't want to get that thing, you know? I'm so afraid that a little mosquito is going to sting me and I'm going to just have a terrible life the rest of my life. That's what I thought. But I thank God for men and women of God that have poured into me. And I just want to give honor to Pastor John because he has poured into me. All right. I know service is going pretty long, but we can do a better job than that. Come on, let's give it up for Pastor John. Yeah, praise God. He has poured into us in so many amazing ways. And all this year, I was like so afraid to go on this trip. And he said, Joe, this trip is going to change your life. And I thank God for a mentor who believes in me and doesn't want me to stay comfortable. He always pushes me to do more for Jesus. He always pushes me to take risks. He doesn't want me ever to settle for what I want to settle for. And I thank God for a leader like that. In fact, you guys should all give God some praise for Pastor John. So in these last couple years, um, God's also blessed me with some people to help me in this new position that I have here at the church. And one of them is Mary Palmer, okay? Mary Palmer is the most amazing woman of God. And so the whole time, whenever you talk about Brazil, just this smile goes on her face and she just said, oh, you're going to love it, Joe. You know, and I was just like, it's going to be terrible. You know, and she's like, you're going to love it, Joe. And I'm going to tell you guys something. I love Brazil. That's why I wore this T-shirt today. I love it because not so much what we did, but because we encountered God in just an amazing way. And so the, one of the first nights we were in this village, I'll tell this really quick first. I was in this church that they built last year, and they told me that, Joe, you might preach while you're down there. So I was like, okay. And I had a really great quiet time in the morning, and God spoke to me about some things. So we were in mid-service, worshiping God, and this guy came up to me and said, so what passage are you preaching from? And I was like, what preaching? You know, I'm just here hanging out, you know? And I had never used an interpreter, never been through that ever before, but I was like, okay, let's go for it, you know? So I'm here in the middle of the Amazon preaching with an interpreter, and it was amazing. And as I was preaching, God stopped me in the middle of my preach, and he said, he spoke to me that there's young people in this place that he wanted to use. And so I said, God is going to use some of you young people to change the world. Young people like you, Miguel. And I pointed to one of the pastor's sons. And I said, basically I proclaimed, you're going to do amazing things for God, Miguel. Well, in that moment, God was speaking to Miguel a lot like me. He didn't really know why he was on this trip. He was a pastor's son. He was just kind of tagging along for the week. I think he was there because there was, he knew about some cute Americanos that were going to be there too, you know. So he was there hanging out with us. But in that moment, God spoke to him that you're going to be a missionary. You're going to be a missionary. And so God called that 16-year-old kid into ministry in that service that I was in that I didn't even know I was going to preach at, you know. Come on, let's give God some glory. It's all about Jesus. So in the middle of the week, I was like, I'm just going to follow God's leading. And I'm going to go minister to the kids in the school. And so I went to the school there in the village, and it was crazy. It's, they took boats to get to the school. You know, I, I, you just have to go check it out. It's, it was amazing. But we got to go into the school to talk to the kids about Jesus. And the pastor's wife came up to me, Grace, she's amazing. She came up to me, she said, Pastor Joe, can you preach to the kids in the village? And I was like okay, let's go for it, you know? And so this time I said, Miguel, you're going to be my translator, okay? The kid that he called to be a missionary in the service that weekend, he said, I said, you're going to be my translator. He's like, okay, I guess I can do it. And I said, I'm not just going to speak, but you're going to share your testimony. And he's like, I don't know if I got a testimony. And I'm like, yeah, you do. He's like, yeah, I do. And he got, I could just see this confidence rising up inside of Miguel, And so as we were preaching, he was getting excited, and I said, okay, Miguel, now it's your time. Your time to speak to the kids. And so he started to speak to the kids, and he did an amazing job. And after he got done speaking to the kids, we said, okay, who wants to receive Jesus? 
And two brave kids came forward, a girl and a boy. It was awesome. A girl and a boy came and gave their life to Jesus right there in school. Yeah, come on, let's give it up for Jesus. But the story's not done yet. Because as they were coming forward, we had Pastor Grace just pray for these two kids. And God had done a miracle in Grace's life because she used to live in the villages. And now God's sent her back to go preach to these kids. And so she was just crying, crying tears of prayers out to these kids. And then as she was praying, my heart just started beating out of my chest. And I said to the kids, I think there's more of you that want to come to Jesus. And right now you feel your heart beating out of your chest. And so all of a sudden, the whole class came forward and gave their life to Jesus. Yeah. It was so awesome. And so all this happened because we just did something that maybe we didn't want to do, but we did it anyway because God told us to do it. And when we did it, God showed up. So I want to encourage you guys. Maybe it's going to be hard to say, I need some help. Maybe it's going to be hard to join a Bible study. But I encourage you that when you do, God will show up. All right, really quick. We're running out of time. So I'm going to got one more thing I want to share with you. One more thing about this stick. You see, God not only wants us to pour our lives out. He wants us to be poured into. But he also wants us to have some amazing friends. You see, after a while, Jesus was working with his disciples. He says, no longer am I going to call you followers or servants, but today I call you my friends. Because he had spent time with them, and he had gotten to know them. And if you look in the Bible, another cool thing about this stick, you'll find it in Psalm 23. And in that passage, we all heard of, have heard this quoted. In verse 4, it says, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and bring me comfort. Some versions say, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I used to read that, and I'd be like, that doesn't make any sense at all. How can this nasty stick bring me any comfort? But I'm going to tell you guys something. Back in the day, this stick was kind of like their security blankie. You remember back in the day when you had your little blankie, you know, that you took to bed and you couldn't get part without, part without it. Yeah, this is what that stick was like. Because what happened was whenever they'd go through a dark time, they'd look back over their life and they'd remember what God had done and how God had walked through every difficult time with them. So the Bible says even when we go through our darkest times, God's going to be with us. And God's going to give us friends to walk through those things. And a lot of times we proclaim this verse at funerals and we think it's all about death. I'm here to tell you, it's not really all about death. It's all about life. Because every single one of us are going to go through difficult times. But God wants you to know that he's placed not only his Holy Spirit with you and his presence with you, but he's placed men and women and brothers and sisters with you that are going to help you get through it and help you do amazing things through God. And so I want to encourage you through this final time that God is going to bless you with amazing friends. And maybe you haven't got those friends yet, but God wants to give you amazing friends. And I'm going to tell you guys something. I met some amazing friends in only 13 days' time. In fact, I was in for Brazil for 13 days and I met brothers and sisters in Christ that I will never forget and that I still pray for all the time. I'm going to tell you, one of the hardest things about going to Brazil for me was leaving my wife, my best friend, okay? And it was difficult because for about seven or eight days, we had no Wi-Fi. We had no cell service, okay? So I couldn't text her. I couldn't call her. I couldn't FaceTime her. It was terrible, you know? And I couldn't wait to get back to town to get to talk to my wife. But while that was going on and I was saying goodbye to her, God was blessing me with amazing friends in Brazil. In fact, that one of that first night when I was preaching, I met this guy named Lucas. And Lucas was an amazing man of God. In fact, Lucas had given up 
being a lawyer. You know, when you go to a foreign country, you might always think that we're going down there to serve poor and broken people. Lucas wasn't poor. He was, he was a lawyer. But God called him to be a pastor. And so he left being a lawyer to go be a pastor. And he actually is down in Dallas studying to be a pastor this year. And he began to t- tell me stories about coming to America and, and trusting God with everything. And he even told me a story that he had to trust God one year for all his tuition. And he went days after days after days where they basically said, you owe us $2,000, and if you don't come out with this $2,000, you're going to have to leave. And so he was like just praying because he knew God sent him there, and he knew God was going to provide for him. And as this guy was talking, I was just like, man, I want to help this dude. I want to help this dude do ministry. And so I started praying about it, and as I was praying about it, God said, give him $100. And I was like, whoo, I don't know about that, you know. (laughs) So, but I was like, okay, God, I'll just trust you. And so I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes I hear from God, but I don't act on it right away because I need help. And so the next morning I went to my daughter and I wanted to confirm it with her. I said, hey, because actually she's the one that brought the money. She had all the money, okay? And so I said, Elise, what do you think about we give Lucas some money? And she was like, yeah, what about $100? And I was like... Praise God, you know. <laughs> and, so, and so Lucas had to leave the next day, and so we were like, okay, we're going to give him this $100. And so Elise got real excited. So she started to share with all the rest of the 16 of us that got to go to Brazil. And when Lucas left the boat that day, he didn't just have $100. He had over $700 out of us 16 people that gave to God. And I'm going to tell you guys something. The power of God in your friends. And it didn't just stop there. Because a few days later, we were finishing work on the, on the church that we were building. And the pastor's wife, Grace, came up to me and she said, Hey, Pastor Joe, do you think we could take an offering for this pastor in the village? They basically have nothing. They have a little boat with a little motor, and he has, he has to have enough money for gas to go from village to village to village to invite people to the church. And right in that moment, God spoke to me that we built the church, but he needed a leader there. God wanted a leader there, and that was more important than the church that we built. And so I just got up in front of everybody, all the Americanos and all the Brazilians, and I said, what if we took a huge offering, and I don't do stuff like this. I'm like, what if we took a huge offering to bless this pastor? He's worthy of the money, okay? So we were like, okay, God, let's go for it. So we started taking the offering. And the Brazilians gave and we gave. And again, we came up with over $700 to give to this Brazilian pastor. It was a miracle. You know, so I was just pumped. You know, I was like, man, this giving thing is really cool, okay? And so we had all taken a bunch of little money to buy, you know, stuff to bring back. And we were just like, why buy that stuff? Our kids got enough junk. You know what I mean? So let's just figure out who we can bless next. And so we were starting to talk about blessing somebody else. And Brian Hulenhop, he's a great guy. He was on the trip. And he's like, Joe, God's put it on my heart to, to do one more thing while we're here in Brazil. And I'm like, okay, let's go for it, you know? So we were starting to pray about that. And so while we were praying about that, we had dinner, and I'm almost done, I promise you, almost done. We had dinner, and I really wanted to go to McDonald's in Brazil, okay? I like McDonald's, and I was like, I really want to experience Brazilian McDonald's, okay? So we went to McDonald's one of the last nights we were there, and I got to sit across from this awesome young man named Jesse. You see, Jesse, all week, led worship for us. He was about 17 years old. He spoke English and Portuguese, which I was like, man, that's a miracle in itself. But he could lead worship in both languages. I was like, this is an amazing young man. And so as I was talking to him that day at McDonald's, he said, Joe, he's like, Pastor Joe, this is the first Big Mac I've ever eaten in my life, you know? 
And I was like, man, I've eaten about a thousand Big Macs, you know? <laughs> you can probably tell, you know? And so then he began to tell me this story. He said, check this out. I remember a time when we went to Brazil when I was a little kid and we went there and my dad didn't have enough money to buy us all food. And so he bought my, 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 my sister a cheeseburger and I didn't get anything. And I'm gonna tell you something, I almost wanted to cry right there in that place. I was, I was almost wanting to cry. So right there I was like, man, what if we could buy this kid a brand new guitar? like a really cool guitar so he could use in his worship ministry. So I told Brian about that. He's like, let's do it, you know? So the next day I'm thinking to myself, this is crazy. We've already raised this much money. We don't have much more. How are we gonna do this? So Ken, he got up the next morning, he shared devotions. He said, in his devotions, Ken Palmer, and he's another amazing man of God. Ken's done awesome things in Brazil. But as he was sharing with us, he said, we finished the race. You know, he quoted that scripture, we've done well. And so we were all excited. Yeah, we finished the race. And so he said, I want you guys just to spend a little time listening to God. Because we're about to leave pretty soon. And let's not forget that God is still here speaking to us. And so we spent about a minute or two just listening to God. And in that moment, God spoke to me. And he said, you're not done yet. You're, you're not done yet. And he said, I want you to get that guitar for Jesse. And so I said, all right, everybody, God just spoke to me. We're not done yet. And I think he wants us to give a guitar to Jesse. And so everybody's like, yeah, let's get him a guitar. You know, and they got all excited. And so we found out from the pastor's wife that Jesse was going to be there with us that day. And so Grace said this, let's just tell Jesse that you're going to buy a guitar for an Americano and you're going to take it back with you. And we're like, okay, let's do that. And so we went to a bunch of stores and we were excited and we got to one store. It was a, a, a great music store. And Jesse, I gave this guitar to Jesse and he started playing that and he's like, this is a great guitar, Pastor Joe. This is an awesome guitar, you know? And so I was just like, yeah, we're going to get it for you. You don't even know. <laughs> So, so we got him the guitar, and we're like, pick out a strap, pick out a case, you know, just, we're going we're gonna to get you this guitar. Boy, we're going to tell him, we, we're going to get this guitar. We're going to bless this Americano. So he was like, all right. So we got back to the place we were staying, and Jesse was playing the guitar, and he banged it on the chair. And I was like, whoa, 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 Jesse. That's an Americano's guitar. We got to take care of it, you know. Let's put it away. Let's put it in the case. He's like, okay, Pastor Joe. So we put it away. And I just wanted to bust out. I'm, I'm very impatient. I wanted to be like, this is your guitar. We're just kidding, you know. But they had all planned that his dad was going to come that night and we were going to do this big thing for him. So I said, just put it away. So we were riding up the elevator to go to a meeting. And Jesse looks over to me and said, that's the best guitar I've ever played. You know, and I was just like, man, this is awesome. And his dad came, and I said, you know that guitar we were buying for the Americano? It's not for him. It's for you, Jesse. And we want you to play it for Jesus all the days of your life. And so it's just so awesome. And so God did huge things. In fact... That guitar cost us over $700, again, that we raised to buy Jesse. So look what God can do with just a few people, a few friends. So I'm going to ask you guys just to stand to your feet. You know, at the beginning of uh, Mission Peoria this week, we said to, kid, to the kids, you're going to do amazing things for God. But God needs to bless you, and God needs to pour himself into you, and God needs to help you. You can't do this on your own. You're going to need God this week to get through Mission Peoria. And so we invited them in our first devotion morning to come down here at the altar and pray for them. And as I was praying for this service, I felt like God was going to do a similar thing here today, that he was calling people out, and he wanted to bless you, and he wanted to empower you. 
to do great things. You think, you see guys, Riverside's just getting started for what God's gonna do through us. But in order to do what God's calling us to do, we're gonna have to get on our knees and ask God for his help. And so in closing, I'm just gonna do what God's told me to do. I'm just gonna be obedient, but I'm gonna invite you, if you're here today and you're like, I wanna be a part of that. I wanna be a part of what God wants to do in the earth. I wanna be a part of God's work. I'm gonna tell you guys, I went to Brazil and I didn't wanna go. But I can't wait to get back there because when I was there, God came so close to me. It was like a tangible thing. I, I, I can't even describe it. He came so close to me. But I'm going to tell you guys something. He can come so close to us here in Peoria too. But we need him and we need each other. So I'm going to invite you guys to do, to, to do something a little radical, a little different. But let's start this new year, this new school year for Jesus. Let's give it up for him. And I want to invite you, if you want to be a part of what God's going to do, I'm going to invite you to come down in the front and just take a knee. Take a knee before God. Just, just kneel down before God. If you want to be a part of God coming close to you and God using you, I'm just going to invite you to come down. And I want to pray for you just like we prayed for those students. Just come on up and fill the altar. And I believe this is for all of us. It's just not for a few of us. It's for all of us that God wants to touch us, not just for us, but so that God can use us. And I know there's a lot of people here today, and you might not be able to get up here, but do your best to try to come to the altar. And as you're coming, we're just going to sing a song. I'm going to have the worship team sing a song, and, and then as we sing, I'm going to come up and pray in just a minute, okay? So let's just commit this time to God. Maybe you can't come to the altar. Maybe you just want to kneel at your seat if you can't get up here. But God wants to touch us this morning so he can use us.
But today, God, I pray that you begin to give them new dreams and new visions, God. God, I pray, God, that you begin to show them how much more you want to use them, God, and the life you want them to live, God. And though, Lord, there's others here today, God, that are wanting to be used of you for the first time, God. And so, Lord God, let them feel the power of your spirit right now, God. Fill them, God. Let them experience you. Let them encounter you, God. Let them know, God, that their lives are for so much more than what they've experienced until now, God. And Lord God, right now, God, I lift up all the young people to you today, God. And God, I thank you, God, for their hunger. I thank you for their passion, God. I thank you, Lord God, what you did with them last week, God. But Lord, help them to know, God, today, Lord Jesus, that it's only going to get better, God. And there's only more and more and more that you want them to do, Jesus. And so, Lord, bless them, Lord God. And Lord, I thank you, God, that, Lord, today, I'm not just praying, God, for a church, but, God, I'm praying for my friends, God. And, Lord, I pray that they know today that I love them and that you love them too, Jesus. And you have great things in store for all of us, God. But I'm so excited for what you're going to do in and through them, God. And, Lord Jesus, you'll do things that only we can give you the praise for, God. So pour out your spirit on us, God. Let us encounter you like never before, Jesus. Today we say yes to you. We say yes to you, Jesus. Show us your love and show us your glory, God. Jesus, we thank you for this morning and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, let's, let's give God some praise. Hallelujah. Hey, let's sing this to Jesus. Let's sing this to Jesus. Jesus.